Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dr. Nadia Varani of Kleinman Evangelista Eye Centers of Texas in Dallas. Uh, Dr. Varani, um, you may be our first podcast guest who comes from uh, this this kind of a medical um, eye center's setting. Tell us a little about that. Absolutely. Um, Thank you so much for having me first. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So I do work in a multidisciplinary clinic, and so it's a pretty large OMD practice. I work with a lot of general ophthalmologists. We do a lot of LASIK, cataract surgery. Um, We also have retinal specialists on board, oculoplastic specialists on board. Uh, We have six different locations throughout the Dallas area. And so I get to jump between all of our clinics and really interact with kind of all aspects of our clinic. Is is there an area where you are primarily focused? Yeah, so I I actually, um, I do, of course, a lot of the patient care. So post-operative care and um, pre-operative care, of course. We also do a lot of glaucoma treatment, dry eye treatment, um, medical exams. My, my role is really, you know, of course, I'm very involved with the patient care, but I'm also in a role where I'm trying to create more congruency between each of the offices. Being so widespread, each of our offices has, of course, you know, its own culture, its own demographics, its own patients, and really trying to create that congruency between each of them. Why is that important to create a, a, a congruency in, in the culture? So with a center like ours, and there are within a lot of metroplexes centers that are uh, these co-managing centers where ODs from all around the area will be sending to these surgeons, we want the patients to actually have a very similar experience and the doctors that are sending to you have a very similar experience with every single one of the clinics within your region. And so in the Dallas area, we actually work with over 500 co-managing doctors. And it's really nice to hear whenever a doctor sends to us, if a patient goes to one clinic versus the other, they gained a very similar experience between those clinics. There's less surprises for the patients and for the doctors who are sending them that way. There are. So I think it it creates this comfort amongst our doctors in speaking with their patients about sending them to an external clinic. Because whenever you have a patient in your chair and you're starting to talk about surgery, it's a very... Um, anxiety, I guess, driven situation where the patient has, they don't know what to expect. They don't go through eye surgery every day. Mm-hmm. So you as their trusted optometrist that has been with them for years and years, knows their personality, knows their family, they're trusting you to send them to a place where you feel comfortable. And so knowing that every one of these clinics is going to give the same patient care helps the optometrist and helps us explain to our patients kind of what their experience is going to be there. It helps relieve a lot of that anxiety. 
And what would you ideally hope that doctors are, are able to, uh, to tell their patients about coming to the eye center? You know, whenever a patient trusts their optometrist, being able to hear from them firsthand about, you know, exactly what they're going to encounter, exactly what they're going to hear about, exactly what, you know, anywhere from who's going to greet them, who's going to meet them to all the technologies that are going to be offered to them. Mm -hmm. It creates a confidence in that OD from your patients. So do you work with, or is, is there, um, kind of a, um, a, a script, for lack of a better term, that referring doctors uh, can use? I mean, how do they know that what they're saying to their patient is going to match what you're saying to their patient? Yeah, so what what we actually do offer everyone in our network is we have informational packets about all of the new latest technology and lenses, because honestly, there's so much technology out there that it's, it's very difficult to keep up with everything. And so we actually, in our clinic, we have external liaisons is what we call them, but they go out to every one of these offices and they give all of our, all of the doctors in the surrounding areas, this information about what lenses are being offered nowadays and what patients are going to actually do well with these lenses. So how much should um, a referring optometrist talk about these kinds of specifics with their patients that they're referring out? So that's a really good question. Um, every doc has their own style. In just a general overview of what a patient may encounter at a center that they are getting surgical care at. So, you know, they're going to, of course, repeat a lot of the measurements, a lot of, um, they're going to repeat the refraction, the dilation. Uh, the patient should know all of that. They're going to get special testing like a corneal topography, like an axial length measurement. Um, and then they're most likely going to be meeting with another optometrist and then also with a ophthalmologist to discuss more options as far as their surgical care goes. So just in general, whenever mm -hmm. speaking with our patients that are coming into um, a surgical center, I think just knowing a brief overview of these are probably the people that you're going to encounter. These are probably the tests that are going to happen for you. Just knowing that takes a weight off of their shoulders. It, it would, and it would also not surprise them to think, well, I just, I just had all these tests. Why are you doing it also? Right. And that's, uh, that's actually a big question that we do get asked a lot um, within our eye center is, well, you know, they did all these tests two weeks ago. Why are you repeating these tests? Mm -hmm. And in reality, I mean, they're, they're absolutely correct, but we do have to run, um, you know, having an axial length that our surgeons are comfortable with having that topography measurement lets our surgeons actually look at it and talk with the patient about what their best outcomes would come from. Do most primary care ODs understand IOLs and surgical options well enough and do they need to? So I think that there is a huge variance in that. 
I have the pleasure of being able to work with, you know, the 500 doctors in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and kind of getting this bird's eye view of how special and how different each one of our optometrists um, operate. So, and, you know, I'm personally learning new things all of the time by just watching how every one of our doctors in the Dallas-Fort Worth area speaks with their patients, talks with their patients in a different modality of practice. Mm -hmm. So every optometrist does have a different comfort level whenever speaking with a patient about surgical options. In this day and age, I think it is important that we all do have a general knowledge of the lenses that are on the market. But the technology to be able to get the, you know, the topography and the special testing to see if a patient would physically be a good candidate for these lenses, that can be left up to a surgical center. Okay. Dr. Varani, what brought you to a surgical center? Is, is that something that was, was already your interest in optometry school or did this evolve? Yeah, so that's, um, that's actually a really funny story. So all throughout optometry school, I was actually very interested in pediatric eye care. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I mean, that was my passion. I loved peds. I wanted to go into um, vision therapy. In fact, I really, you know, I had a huge interest in that. Um, before optometry school, I worked with a vision therapist and it was just, that's what I was interested in. And after optometry school, I was debating going to a peds residency when I was approached by um, Dr. Kleiman with, you know, the group that I'm with right now. And they said, well, just join and, you know, do some LASIK and cataract surgery and work with us for a year or so. And then, and then you can uh, go from there. And now I am still with them, of course, and um, somewhat of a different role, but I am mainly dealing with geriatrics. And so the exact opposite of where I thought I would be. So that was five years ago that you joined. And it sounds like there was really no looking back. There wasn't. I mean, I completely fell in love with being able to care for all of our, our geriatric patients, but all of our surgical patients. Um, you know, as a whole, I, the practice that I am with, I am so fortunate to be with them because they are, they really step up to all of the new technology that is out there and available. And they're usually a front runner in all that new technology. Um, You know, whenever the corneal inlays came out, we were one of the first in the country to actually put the corneal inlays in. Our surgeons were one of the first in the country to put the panoptics. It's the new lens that, you know, Alcon just um, had FDA approved in. Mm-hmm. I've been really fortunate to be able to um, be a part of these changes that are occurring within the technology. And it just seems like every, you know, few months there's a new technology that's out there. Mm-hmm. And okay. and so you, you probably didn't, it, it sounds like a lot of this was, was kind of on the job training because um that probably was was not a real focus in in optometry school. It was. I so a lot of this was on the job training because I distinctly remember in optometry school I graduated from the University of Houston and I remember um, Dr. Miller. In fact, he was our 
lasers professor and we had one lecture, it was one 45 minute lecture on LASIK. And I remember that to this day because the day that I was starting with the climbing group, I went back through that lecture and that <laughs> was the only lecture that we had in optometry school about it. And so it was, it was a, a completely different world than I thought I would find myself in. The patient population that is in need of surgical care is set to increase at 28% right now in the next five years. Right. And the ophthalmologists are only increasing at a 2% rate. Right. So there's, there's a huge gap there between those who need care and those who are able to deliver that type of care. Right. And I think optometrists do realize that. And I think ophthalmologists do realize that to be able to fully care for our patients in the truest form of medicine, we have to be able to work together. And I think that a practice like the one that I've joined, I think they understand that fully. Mm -hmm. And they also understand that every optometrist, as well as every ophthalmologist, has a different comfort level with their patients. So the divide is more between individuals, not between professions. Interesting. So what do you think might, um, obviously the demographics is, is going to push this, this trend of, um, you know, giving, I guess, giving to optometrists what optometrists can do so that ophthalmologists can do what, what they have to do. Um, what else can, can drive that? What, what are ophthalmologists looking for from optometrists? Do you have a sense of that? I do. So I, I do believe that everyone, every one of us is trying to work at our highest scope of practice. And so I think that the, the ophthalmologists, they do want to stay within the surgical realm if they're able to. And so all of the, you know, a lot of the glaucoma care, the dry eye care, the diabetic medical exam care, um, comprehensive care, all of that is the highest, you know, it's a high scope of practice, of course, for uh, optometrists. And so it it works out hand in hand with one another, where in care for these patients, and that's you know, a lot of what our practice functions as as well is the ophthalmologists, they do what they do best and we do what we do best. Excellent. And uh, the patients benefit. They do. They do. That's, that's the goal. So, so obviously the understanding with a lot of your referring doctors is, is they refer for the surgical period and then they get their patients back. There's, um, there's variation in how that works too. There is. And I mean, every optometrist has a different comfort level and a different interest in, you know, these different categories of care. So there are some people that want to see their patient back on day one after surgery. And there are some people that would like, you know, surgical care to be done until the global period is over and then just see the patient back for their comprehensive eye care. And I think that that is completely um, fair because you're not going to be able to 
have interest in every category. Like I said, you know, some people have interest in pediatrics and they don't want to deal with LASIK and cataract surgery and others like specialty contact lenses, which is an incredible um, field. And everyone has these different interests. And so finding a, a center that you're able to actually really customize your own experience for your patients with, I think that that is really beneficial uh, to both you and the patient in really giving that patient the greatest care we can. And that's a reasonable uh, conversation to have with, with a, um, an eye center that, that someone would refer to? Absolutely. I think most most surgeons that are out there, a lot of them would be very open to having a conversation like that because um, truly, you know, it, it unclogs their mm-hmm. schedule to be able to have, you know, us help out and see these patients also. Um, and I think it's, you know, it, it builds patient confidence with the optometrist as well, knowing that you we do have that scope of care. We know exactly what we're doing. We know how to care for our patients. And being able just to demonstrate that to our patients is really, really nice to see. That's wonderful. Your expectation was not to go into this kind of a medical practice, a, a heavily uh, OMD practice. Did you did you approach it as a well? I'll give it a try, or 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 did did it grow on you more quickly than that? So I was actually I was always very enthralled and excited by technology. I've always been, you know, that person to follow the newest, latest, greatest. What's out there as far as cutting edge mm-hmm. medicine. And so I was actually fairly excited to join a practice like this. And I thought it would give me um, really good experience in a field that, you know, it may be harder to get into a little bit later after dealing with pediatrics for so long. Once I started actually working with this practice, once I got to see the dynamics um, between the surgeons between the optometrists, I truly just fell in love with it and it completely encapsulated me. Um, And I loved being able to offer this technology to our patients. The optometrists, you have so much more time. You do have more time with your patients to be able to explain what the basis of the technology is, how it would actually work with the physics of their eyeball, how it would benefit them, how it would fit with their lifestyle versus surgeons, you know, they, they do have a different mindset. They're very, a lot of them are very technical and they don't necessarily have that connection with your patients that optometrists do. So being able to fill in that gap is really what excited me about working with this practice. Dr. Varani, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.